what's happening in the canine industry. For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. My name's Glenn Cook and joined in studio today is my regular co-host, Pat Stewart. Hello. Today we've got some special guests that we've been wanting to have on the show for quite some time and fortunately because of the seminar we've just had, I was actually going to say we've got them live in studio but every time I say I've got someone in studio, <laughs> Pat goes to town on me and goes, he's like Barney from The Simpsons. He's like, <laughs> it's not really a studio, it's just a room in your house with a couple of chairs. So, welcome to the room in the house with a couple of chairs, Kat Saunders and Brent Dry. 100% real. 100% real, Kat Saunders. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the room. Cheers, Um, guys. So, Brent, you've been on one time before when Sean was here. Yep. And we said at that point that, don't worry too much about Brent, we'll explain who he is later. (laughs) Yeah, you just kept cutting me off the whole time. Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) Oh, that was the day that Sean was so jet lagged that he he barely could speak. And he was was just sitting there going, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So, what we want to do is talk a little bit about the canine company, what you guys do, but more importantly, because I like origin stories, how did you get into dogs and why are you here doing this? Let's start with you, Brent. Yeah, for me, I suppose it's a story of many people. Very much started with a family dog who I enjoyed. You know, there were nights where I would go out and sleep outside in the kennel with her and she was just our perfect family pet, little Mm -hmm. Sally Pukamanu's. Her full name. Sally Pukamanu. Yeah. That sounds very Kiwi. (laughs) Very Kiwi. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. You know, kids just make stuff rhyme. So Puku is belly and no idea what Manu's means. Yeah. Um, But Sally Pukamanu, she was a golden retriever across Labrador. Mm. Um, You know, back then it was somebody bred a dog and we knew and Mm -hmm. we wanted a puppy. So we had her. She lived forever. She got hit by a car and bounced back up. And, you know, so she was pretty stoic sort of dog. She was fun. I think one of the... My early memories was my uncle had a a German Shepherd and I'd never seen a German Shepherd like this dog. She was, he got beaten up, he got uh, attacked outside of his house so he ended up getting this dog. Its name was Gunji and (laughs) the best names. And Gunji was trained for protection stuff for his personal use. You couldn't get inside the gate unless he let you in and then once you were in, you were fine. So... For me as a young kid, you know, maybe six, seven, eight years old, I would sit outside with Gunji for hours when the, you know, the adults were inside doing whatever they were doing and I'd just hang out with Gunji for hours and had a ball. So that was kind of my start to enjoying hanging out with dogs. Always had dogs as a, as a family, we had a dog. So then I ended up leaving New Zealand when I was 22 or 23, came to Australia, ended up with another dog called Saba, who was a... She was a white German Shepherd cross husky and she was a stunning she was a stunning looking dog and to the point where I'd be walking down the street with her and people would stop me and when they had their dog sit there and say, 
my God, she's just beautiful. I'm like, oh, you, mm-hmm. your dog's hearing that, so keep it down a little bit. But she was she was a beautiful, beautiful dog. Lovely obedience. I did a fair bit of obedience work with her, except we'd go to the river and then she'd just never come back. She'd just mm-hmm. swim. So I'd just walk home and she'd rock up an hour later, cross a couple of roads. So she was pretty fun. And then a um, couple of dogs in between there and then moved to Melbourne, I think 2007, the timeline for us is always debatable, so I don't know. We've got nothing set in concrete, so I think we're calling it 2007. Okay. And then met Kat through doing the NDTF course, which is also the same time that I met Cookie. So uh-huh. that's kind of a real brief overview of you know, my dog years, I suppose. I've never asked you this question directly because we always just assume that we've met during the NDTF course. How did you actually get invested in the ND- NDTF course? What was the the linchpin for getting you enrolled on the course. I've never, I don't think we've ever yeah. discussed this. No, ever. we haven't. No. no. So I've very much had an interest in dogs all of my life. And I always sort of be amazing to work with dogs. When I came to Melbourne, I came down as a chef. I'd been a chef for all of my adult life. Um, came down and enjoyed the cooking side of it, but I was over it. Mm-hmm. So I left and I got this financial planners gig, which was, Hey, come along, do this two week course, learn a, script by rote and then go out to houses and I was terrible at that. I've sold nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so so I kind of thought I've got to go back and do something that I know. Yep. So I started to, I went back and found this cafe and I worked at this cafe, which was Monday to Friday, just days. So it was a good gig. And I just wanted something different. And I found the NDTF course and signed up. And I think I started from when I signed up or looked at it, when I signed up, I'm pretty sure I think I was it was maybe six weeks or something. So it was really quick. Mm -hmm. Whereas I know for cat, it took a fair while. So, but it it was just, I wanted to learn more about dogs. The way it was kind of put across to me a little bit was, Hey, if you do the course, you'll probably end up like doing customs work or, you know, something like that. So in some ways I kind of thought it was do the course, get a job Mm -hmm. in the dog world. Certainly not the case, but it certainly gave us a foot in the door or gave me a foot in the door and, steps in the right direction mm-hmm. probably formalize some things you sort of already knew a little bit as well like if you've been training dogs and yeah very much i mean the the guy who i did a lot of training with up in when i lived in noosa who was the first dog trainer i worked with and, and trained under steve he was a he was an ex-bikey and so he learned how to train dogs he keeps telling the story that he learned how to train dogs from this old old lady who's been training dogs for 106 years or something mm-hmm. um certainly no food but there, there wasn't a lot of pressure put on the dogs yeah, right. at all um more encouragement you know praise pats cuddles all of those sorts of things mm-hmm. so he and proof was in the pudding i mean his dogs were awesome he had this beautiful german shepherd called tyson and super social would walk around did nice protection stuff at the end of the day like so i learned a bit from him then doing the course it was you know as we know it's a big piece of the puzzle and the puzzle you know the pieces start to come together at some stage but for me it was very much oh look i know a little bit but it opened up it opened up more doors and and my mind to Mm -hmm. other things that can be there so 2007, so that, that's early days for NDTF as well? Like that? No, I think that NDTF had been going for a fair while, even from then. I think we were- 1990s. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's, right, yeah. Okay. yeah I did course two. So I was going to do the pilot wow. course, the original course that Boyd and the guys back then designed. That was 1991. Right, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay, so by 2007, yeah. it's been around for ages. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. 
um, the dog I had uh, for the course. So not everyone needs a dog, but if you've got a dog, it's a mm-hmm. bit of a bonus. Uh, her name was Sophie, and she was a gorgeous blonde lab. Cat calls her Fat Sophie Bear. Um, I think that's a little bit um, true. Incorrect. <laughs> She's just a lab who loves food. Yeah, standard. So lab. that sort of thing was um, with with her. It was a lot of fun. She was a well trained dog. I mean, she would pick stuff up really, really easily. So doing the course with her for me was a breeze. Um, our judgment day what do you call it our our graduation day day, testing day i went from doing tracking work with her um which she nailed which was perfect i got called straight away to go over and do scent detection which you know nobody had actually passed that then i think my understanding was there are people there for the last two years that hadn't passed as well so i walked over and um we were judged on six boxes you know, closed boxes and I was walking past people and they had like these pizza boxes with holes in it and I'm like oh look there's lemon in that one I wonder if it's lemon this dog's supposed to be finding <laughs> whereas mine were like little parcel boxes you know like you couldn't see a thing in it and she like she nailed three out of six and they needed five out of six to pass all right the assessor turns around and goes look I'm gonna pick all these boxes up move them into a horseshoe shape and I'm like Oh, I've never thought of doing a horseshoe shape and get all the students to come and watch. I'm like, can I just pass and then you do this demo? And he's like, no, (laughs) we'll just see how it goes. And she nailed that. Yeah, she nailed that. And then, you know, I think it was a few hours later, we just had to go and do our uh, our complex skill. Mm -hmm. And the complex skill that I trained her to do was to go to an esky and get a, a bottle of beer out and bring that to me and... As she did it, fitting. she had to do it. Yeah, fitting. I thought, you know, you lazy trainer line. That's a good skill, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was a good one. As she's going over the second time, she nailed the first one. She was going over the second time. The assessor's sitting on the side calling her over. Sophie, Sophie, bring her here. And she just sort of ignores him and walks over and gives me the bottle of beer. And Perfect. Yeah, kind of job done. So she was a really fun dog. She was a cool dog as well. And um you, even years later, should still bring the bottle of beer, even though oh, I kept it up a little bit. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was fun. Awesome. Um, who was in? Who's teaching on NDTF back then? Cookie was doing a fair bit of teaching. We had Boyd, who was doing quite a bit too, uh-huh. and they were probably the main guys. Trish Harris took us for luring, uh, if I Kelly, remember. Kelly Gulliver. Kelly, Kelly Gulliver. I think Owen was there then. Yeah, yeah. Owen Broadley was there then. Mm. Kylie was Kylie. No, Jimmy. Jimmy Mulholland. Jimmy Mulholland was there. We had him for doing the laws and that sort of thing. So Mm -hmm. some of those guys are certainly still around. Yeah. Um, Well, Jimmy was just up here for the... He was, yeah. With Boris and Josh. That was good. I got to meet him for the first time. Mm. Yeah, he's he's a nice dude. Very nice guy. Yeah. He's family. So then we won't start on the canine company because I feel like that's going to be a shared story. Yeah, for sure. How did you end up on that NDTF course? For me, it was kind of an organic kind of process. Grew up around, my grandma bred British Bulldogs. My mum was in the uh, Bull Mastiffs at the time. So confirmation, travelling around, showing, etc. I uh, originally come from the hair hair and beauty industry. Mm -hmm. And I worked with an awesome lady by the name of Jemima Richards for about 10 years. And uh, I still have a tremendous amount of respect for her. And she kind of taught me about ethics in, in the workplace and, you know, just how to be a decent bloody person, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was going in a different way and, and kind of wrapping up her business. And um, I ended up working in another cell and I only lasted like two months. It was just so toxic and just mm-hmm. not, not a pleasant place. So 
Ironically, I was sitting there at front of house, so at the kind of reception desk of the salon, and going through the the local paper, and there was a dog grooming business for sale, so I bought it, and and then that that was kind of the initial foot in the door. <laughs> so you just bought a dog grooming As business. You do. I'm yeah. a hairdresser, same thing. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> clients don't talk back as much when they're when they're uh, in the, in the dog grooming uh, industry, but you know that that. That kind of started and then a lot of the people were saying to me, you know, you have a good way with with the dogs. At that time in the area that I was kind of grooming your larger breeds, I think a lot of people had that heavy-handed persona, like I've got to show this dog, you know, and it will submit Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And I'm a Roddy fan, as many people would know. And I just obviously was approaching the dogs differently and they said, hey, can you train my dog? And I'm like, better go learn what I'm doing here, you know, coming from the confirmation world where behaviour – what I was exposed to in the confirmation world was not a priority. So I thought, cool, what do I do? Jumped onto Google, found the NDTF course. As Brent said before, it took a little bit longer because my course was postponed for, I think, about nine months. And uh, it was fake because I met this yeah, handsome that's beast. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Cool. So, yeah, that's kind of how I got into the the dog training world in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Kind of lickety split, just that's it. jump just, straight in. Just happened. It was really funny, actually, when we talk about the NDTF timeline i think cat was put she was meant to start in july and then that was postponed and then you were meant to start in september, um, september Ooh, and then that was this is one that of those was fake stories yeah and and then mm-hmm. we started in february like you know otherwise we wouldn't have met during the course that's for sure so and that's where the canoodling started there was a little bit of you know footsies, foot, footsies and stuff it's but, actually you know. funny um <laughs> I, I know we've told this story a lot but for people who are listening to this origin story I was taking the class and I'm walking in there and we were just about to go out to do some practical work. And these guys were, you know, like partnering up and doing work together and, you know, like they were sort of kicking each other under the desk. And I said, are you guys a couple? And they both looked at me and went, no. <laughs> and, and, and I thought, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, like outside and they're training dogs together and the giggling and, you know, like the body language was there and I'm thinking... Yeah, I see sure. What's happening here. Yeah, I can see what's happening. <laughs> I, I, yeah, and here I, we I, are today. I played pretty hard to get, but you know, it was just, <laughs> <laughs> just she wore me down. <laughs> yeah, they, they get you like that. So um, when, when did that? When did that actually kick off? When did you guys like you were doing the course together? When did you become official? Like when did you guys discover that you two were meant to be together? I like, you know, one of the fun things that, it, that Brent and I talk about is we're both sitting there and go, right, we're focusing on NDTF, we're head down, bum up, it's all about dogs. And Brent and I uh, were sitting on the opposite side of the classroom and uh, actually what happened is we all went out for lunch, you know, La Porchetta, huge long table, and he was sitting, I don't know, maybe six people down on the other side and uh, we both, Brent being a Kiwi, likes rugby and he just happened to mention something about the rugby and my team had just smashed his team so of course I chirped up a little bit and that was kind of the beginning of it but um we have we've we've sat there quite a few times and I think that's why you know when you turn around you said are you guys together you know we were kind of fighting (laughs) what was inevitable Mm. but it was like you know the chemistry was there and clearly we both get along but it was like no we're trying to focus on on learning here do the course and it's like well hello you look nice and then back to work again <laughs> so i don't i don't know we we that's why brent was saying our timeline's kind of a bit scooey fish because there wasn't like cheers we're now together it's just so about a week <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh dear. So we've just had the girl's answer and the guy's answer. Yeah. yeah, look, not really. You know, it was just one of those organic things. Yeah, a couple of days into it. <laughs> so where have you been, Kat? Because you have an odd accent. There's something going on in there that I've always meant to ask you, but have never actually done. So now I'm doing it in front of 3,000 people or whatever. Awesome. I wish you could have told me that because I would have come up with a really awesome story for you. I'm Melbourne born and bred. Yeah. Uh, never travelled overseas until I met this handsome beast. Okay. But I'm very good at adopting accents. Right. So I'm uh, the way it's been described to me, because I've got a musical ear, if I'm hanging out with someone, I'll pick up their accent. So I've got a girlfriend with an English accent, so mm-hmm. throw some of that in. Brent being the Kiwi, throw that in. Uh, we support our local rugby club in Eltham, and uh, there's a few South Africans there, so you throw in some, some South African and... Whoever you want me to sound like, just put me right next to them. So uh-huh. I'm glad so you guys you don't have up. accents because it would be really embarrassing because I'd start sounding like you halfway through. Geez, the you'd fit in with uh, most of the trainers who do seminars with people that come over from overseas because <laughs> as soon as they've gone, they all adopt their language. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Super. Super. <laughs> Super. Yeah. But yeah, I've just no, lost Aussie all the people who go to seminars now. <laughs> <laughs> which is 100%. <laughs> which is pretty much all That's the audience. It. We're finished. We're done. Pack it up. All right, cool. So you both have met on the course. Then I'm guessing the grooming business that you bought was not the canine company. Uh, it very quickly morphed into it. Right. So again, not sure of the timeline, but predominantly grooming. And then Brent and I met and um, the training started to evolve just conversationally. And again, another you know twist of fate. Um, the cafe that Brent was working at being a chef, had new owners and uh, basically it was a family gig. So, you know, all the original staff that were in there uh, were made redundant. And we're just really lucky that uh, he was made redundant at the right time. Like it was uh, October and it was coming into peak season for grooming, you know, getting warmer. So a lot of people are wanting to get their dogs groomed and stuff like that. So I'm like, all right, well, you know, I've got some work, jump on. And then we just started, I think we just started talking about it and what, what our ideals were. We... We had been training um, at a number of different clubs just to gain our experience. Some were quite military mm-hmm. and some were quite floozy, you know, more of a social thing opposed to actually providing information and helping people. So we said, you know, our kind of goal was we wanted to have the structure and the good information that a lot of the kind of what I would call at the time the military kind of style, but more socially opposed to, yes, drill sergeant, and without the fun and without that kind of community aspect – yeah, we wanted to find that balance. And I think uh, it was the following year in August is where we kind of fully launched yeah. into into training. We had, I think it was eight dogs at our first training session. Mm-hmm. I was privileged to hear you guys come up with the name and the concept and you even showed me their artwork. I was working at Wonga yeah. Park at the time at um, Homestead Home Kennels. State. Yeah, I remember you guys talking about it and you said, oh, we're finally taking the step and got a name picked out, which is the Canine Company. And I thought, yeah, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. You know, it sounded good and you showed me the logo that you guys came up with the training equipment inside the logo and everything I, at the time i most of the logos that i saw with people were just like acronyms of the business name with a very simple drawing of a dog or something like that but yeah i like what you guys were doing and then you started telling me your plan and what you wanted to do and how you wanted to soften the approach and i thought yeah that's there's yeah. a there's definitely a market for that that's mm. what people actually want because at the time we were heavily involved in adt which was mm. that kind of military background yeah. because of Boyd mm. and being a military person it was structured that you know get in do this do that get you know get people in do your training move them on get the next lot of people coming in mm. so it was very much in 
efficiency out efficiency in efficiency yep. out efficiency yeah. so it was um it was structured to keep flow all the time whereas you're limited on how long you can actually spend with people when it's like that you know like you've yeah. got very small windows where you guys tried to make it more of a, a social environment where people mm. felt a little bit more compelled to come up and talk to you afterwards which i actually thought was nice i think that the part why that was so important to me, again, being in, in coming from the hairdressing cutie kind of background, you know, you have to speak to people. If, if you're mm-hmm. not speaking to people, you're not doing your job properly. And that, that to me, I mean, it resonates with me. It's natural mm. anyway. So I'm like, if, you know, so many people go to a hairdresser anyway and, you know, knowing women, we become ridiculously loyal and, you know, when you've got, when you've got a good thing. So I wanted to build that community and the rapport. But again, as you said, with the, with the good, thorough, deep information about what's you know what's driving the dogs how do we get these results not just the you know fun little kind of weekend hobby behavior we wanted to get into the nitty-gritty but have that social aspect yeah we've been pretty fortunate with all of that sort of stuff too so my chef background I was relatively good with processes and setting things up and understanding it but I was also very much get them in get them out like let's go let's go and cat's like hey well stop we need to talk to these people I'm like no, fuck, they'll be back. Don't worry, let's go, let's go, let's go. And Kat's like, no, no, like we need to build relationships with these sorts of people and they're coming down and mm. that was, I think that was the one thing for the canine company that we've been very, very lucky with that, well, not lucky because Kat's worked bloody hard at it, that we've built amazing relationships with our clients and we continue to do so, um, which is fantastic. The other thing that really coincided with the canine company starting was actually the closure of ADT mm. so there were ADT was a membership base so you'd sign up to whatever level you wanted to go to right so if you wanted to go to gold you would pay x amount and then you wouldn't pay any other money mm-hmm. what happened was people had paid money and then on a choose random Tuesday whatever it was ADT closed down and nobody knew so I mean even some of the staff were still rocking up to training centers and they had no idea and clients were turning up but the business had closed. So people had felt quite burnt by that. Yeah. And if you just bought a is, lifetime membership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, for people it was, you know, hundreds of dollars too, right? Mm. So for Kat and I, when we first started, we spoke about how we were going to do it. When I was training with this guy, Stephen, up in uh, Noosa, his system was just pay as you go. And I said to Kat, I think we really need to adopt that model. And it's worked really, really well, you know? So I think a few sort of things coincided and kind of went from there and worked Mm. well. I remember just as you were saying, you know, like when I was sitting there saying, no, no, we need to talk to clients. I remember Moira and uh, this is one of our grooming clients. What a name, Moira. I love that name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And at the time, at the time she was 82 and she had a boxer and the breed of boxer does suit her. I know it sounds a little bit bizarre having a spring-loaded leg dog with with a gorgeous 82-year-old woman. But I said to Brent as we were going to her house, I'm like, all right, we're going to groom the dog. She's going to tell you how amazingly wonderful and telepathic her dog is, you know, and, you know, that the dog has to go and get the newspaper before she gets her breakfast, da-da-da-da-da. But I said to Brent, I'm like, you go in, you have a cup of tea. And Brent's like, come on, no, go, go, go. You know, and that's as he was saying, that's the chef kind of background and the, the drive to get things done. I'm like... No, we have your, you have your cup of tea, you make a, you know, 
you feel good. Yeah. And like even now, like I'm, I'm not grooming at all, but even now, every now and again, I'll go to Moira's house and I'll still have a cup of tea and we go through her, her photo albums because she's had dogs her entire life. She's in her 90s now. Mm-hmm. That to me is what it's all about, building the relationships and, and just... Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. You guys are both very socially vibrant people though, like in your own right, regardless of doing a business where you're trying to attract people. It's just your personalities. Like you... You're both very friendly, both very caring people. Brent, I remember the time I met you, you talked my ear off. Um, (laughs) And it was just your way that you approach people. Like you have a genuine interest in people. Um, You like to have fun with people. You like to enjoy life. And you do it in a non-invasive way as well. Like you don't approach people and start getting all over them and, you know, like trying to take things from people. Like you're very genuine about being a pretty good bloke. And because of that, we've... All of us have been good friends for a long time. Yeah, for sure. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, Thanks. no, it's true. It's like, a, you know, I love coming down to Melbourne and staying yeah. with you guys and hanging out. It's great fun. Yeah. Because we always... Best laughs. Yeah, good laughs and good reminiscing about... Yeah. See, those days were, for me, it was it was a terrific time because if you look at those old days where we pre-ADT closing down, like they were the bones of a lot mm. of the people that we currently know. You know, like Absolutely. if you if you look around at the Bell Symposium and a lot yeah. of the, the people that are in there, like you were saying that you, you're catching up with Denshi the other day. Yeah. I mean, Denshi was from ADT. Jimmy Mulholland, ADT. Yeah. You know, yeah. people like Claude, ADT. Yeah, Dave, Dave Hayward. Dave Hayward, Claude, like ADT. That, those guys, um, you know, especially when we were first starting out, you know, Dave Hayward was really good for us in the course. Mm. Mm. Claude was really cool. Like Claude's always been a phone call away. Like he's been really, really good good to me. He's always been welcoming of if I've had any questions, he's always been, you know, super, super happy to ask. So, yeah, all of those guys back then, we certainly owe a little it's bit to the foundations too, so. of what we're now standing on, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it was. It was the springboard for a lot of people. Mm. So, it was unfortunate the way it ended, but the journey within it at the time, like, mm. we've made some lifelong friends in that, yeah. that culture. It was yeah, terrific. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. I think that the, like, Close relationships you can make with people in dogs is very, very important. Not just with clients, with other trainers as well. You know, like we've only met each other maybe less than a dozen times, way less, right? Actually see each other physically. But you talk online, you see people, you sort of know, oh, these guys are good guys. And, you know, I remember when we had a venue fall through at the last minute for the uh, Nipopo school. And I called Brenton because it had to be in Melbourne. I'm like, hey, what do you think? He goes, I'll call you back. And calls me back in like two minutes and FaceTimes me from a place and says, will this do? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. so it's, you got to have relationships like that mm. and you got to have the right people that can, can harbor, like, cause there's nothing, there's nothing in that for you. You know what no. I mean? Like it, so you, yeah, yeah. To, to go out of your way to do that for me, I appreciate that, but you got to have people in the industry like that. Cause there's, or when you find them, you got to hang on to them. Just mm. why you guys get along because yeah. you're like, no, you're, you're a good guy and there aren't that many. So, yeah. so let's stick together. I and think- it's kind of weird. Like even with Pat, like I, I've known Pat a fraction of the time I've known you guys, but yeah. it's all, it's kind of like, it feels like he's always been there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you know, like that's how you form those relationships. Like when you start meeting people, it's, We've always been together. Yeah. But it's because we're all, we all share that common bond. Mm. You know, we love dogs. We love talking about yeah. training concepts and other things in life, like the, things that we enjoy doing. of the information as yeah, well. Yeah, it's sharing. You know, like everybody here is, is very forthcoming and sharing and, and willing to help, you know, help somebody else out. And I think it's nice to have us acknowledge the other people uh, as well as being acknowledged yourself, you know, like whether it's Pat saying thanks Brent to, 
you know, for hooking us up for the Nipopo or, you know, Cookie for taking us under your wing back in the day, like whatever mm. it is. It's just that whole thing of the acknowledgement that, you know, we're all here together for the betterment of, of the industry and for the dog. And I think that's why I've, you know, we've done a couple of the TBS catch-ups in Melbourne that I've just tried to organise because mm. we need to have that community and stick together. And, and it's cool when people rock up, like whether I'm meeting them for the first time or whether it's people, you know, Cookie comes down and surprises us. Someone like Brad Griggs, who, you know, I spend a fair or used to spend a fair bit of time with, for him to come along. It's just hanging out with people who I actually care about and just learning more from other people, but it's creating this community. It's having people rock up, giving access to the younger, not the younger, but the newer people in the in the Balance Symposium or students who are coming along. If we can mentor them, because we've been mentored, and if we can mm. pass a little bit more on to somebody else, to me, that's what it's about. Mm. It's not secret school. This is my information. Go away. You can't have it. Well, I think the important thing, and especially talking to Josh and Forrest over the last uh, week, and you talk to many people, and it doesn't matter if it's dog training or life or military or anything like that, but I think one of the best things is teaching people how to lay a foundation. Yep. If you can teach them how to lay a foundation and then build their, their house by design on top of mm. that, I mean, that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. But the, the foundation is where it begins. And it, even if it's not entirely accurate, at least it's not something that's built on unscrupulous grounds. Yeah. And I think that's the best thing is that if you can actually give people something to lay that down on and then start building well from there, then it goes well. You start seeing a good ethical business starting to form from it, which is probably what I'm choking on trying to say here. <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, we went over to to Wellington with Forrest. Forrest invited us over and we ran a seminar with him, which was really cool. And one of the things, one of the first things that he actually said was we're all, you know, I'm here because I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. And mm. I think that's, it's such a nice way to put it that you know, we're here and we have this knowledge because the people before us had the knowledge and passed it on and they weren't, they didn't hold on to that. And both of you guys are super, super good at passing on knowledge and not, you know, like Pat stuff with his box, she loves, we all love it. Love your box, Pat. <laughs> it, it's very much, you know, you could easily hold on to that sort of mm. technique and... Get an edge over other people. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, but you sit there and you put the dimensions of the box out and, you you know, those sorts of things, mate. It, it certainly doesn't go unnoticed, but it's important that we acknowledge the people that have been before us and, you know, we always try to do that. I'm stupid with that. I, I really should do better because, like, over the weekend five or six people are like, hey, can I book you for a private session and do some stuff? And at the end of the day, I've got all those people together and showed them the thing. And I was like, yeah. oh, I'm so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I do that? And, and it's funny. It's like, you know, you keep, people keep talking about the box and you're like, don't overthink the box. It's like, fuck, bro, go and do some private consults, yeah, charge your money, and then just sit there and go, don't overthink the box. Yeah, I don't, I don't and I put them all together and did it all, it, did them all for free in one go. And I was like, you sh I'm driving home thinking, what did I do that for? <laughs> we'll have to start calling him Patrick Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> giving it away. Yeah, giving his, giving his science away. Oh, but that, an idiot. It just shows your passion, though. You know, like I, I even said, said to you with Cookie, you know, at the end of the seminar, I'm like, you know, you're so generous with the information. Yeah, and, it, you know, it doesn't stupid. go unnoticed. <laughs> And maybe broke. not necessarily <laughs> maybe not necessarily conducive to good business but you know <laughs> I'm terrible at it and now I get I get messages from all over the world about that fucking box I wish we never did it because I get people messaging me and we're like taking up heaps of my time asking questions about this box and I just keep like answering the questions I, I need yeah. to I need to find a way to Pat, politely that's your, say your next yeah. online course yeah well I just need to do Skype 
calls, I yeah. think. I, I finally have done a few now with people who are like, can I do them? And I'm like, nah, and we'll just talk on the phone. I'm in the car. What difference does it make? And I'm actually finally now people are nice. like, I'm actually charging people. Well, it is taking up a lot of your time. Heaps of my time. Yeah. <laughs> Heaps yeah. of my and time. And I mean, when you look into that, you've got a family. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's basically what it came down to. Was yeah, that like, yeah. hey, I, I just can't do this anymore. Like, and I can't. It cuts into the time that you've got to yeah. earn money. And I mean, it's not like you have the luxury of just living Bruce Wayne's life. Like yeah. most of us, you, you don't have money to burn. You've got a little little son. I mean, his expenses are starting to grow and grow and grow. Yeah, man, you can and only that, buy so many Iron Man suits. That, <laughs> man, not, just, not according just to segueing, him. I, just, I saw a picture that Jane put up the other day with him in a Captain America Captain suit. America, that was one. really cool. Yeah, yeah. Why didn't they make shit like that when I was a kid? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I, I used to have a Chips. Do you remember Chips? California Highway. Yeah, I, do I used to have a Chips t-shirt. Yeah. And like, that was about as good as it got, right? Like, Well, I had a Hulk outfit that I just used my own tore up clothes and um, green, <laughs> and green food dye. <laughs> it was not easy to get out of. Yeah. Which, uh, which, you know, when you're a kid with arms and legs like pencils and, uh, you know, running around with um, torn up clothes that your mum comes out and says, what the hell's yeah, going yeah. on here? I just bought you that T-shirt. Well, I mean, we're off topic, but that's actually how we got into all these superhero costumes because he was obsessed with the Hulk and he wouldn't wear a shirt. And so we'd be kicking around all summer and he'd just be shirtless calling himself the Hulk. And then as it got cold, he would still refuse to put a shirt on. So I had to go out and find one of these costumes so that he could wear clothes and then I could put the costume over the top and then he was like, uh-huh. And there's other costumes as well. I could, <laughs> I could also be Iron Man, Spider-Man, Captain America. So he's all those things and we change like four or five times a day. So if you're wondering why Pat's now charging you for the box, he's got to keep his <laughs> yeah. kid in superhero clothes. I've got to continue to buy outfits. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about the canine company and what, like, because you guys do a lot, right? There's a lot of, there's a pretty broad spectrum of services. Yeah. So for us, it's, uh, we still do the grooming. Mm -hmm. um, we have three locations that we train, uh, which is South Morang, Eltham, which is our main one, and Doncaster. There are group classes. We also do a lot of private consults. We've run seminars uh, in a few different areas as well, which has been really cool. I think one of the things for us is we've been lucky enough to go to New Zealand a couple of times. I emceed the Dogs of New Zealand uh, conference, which was the first annual one. Cat was one of the speakers there, so that was really cool as well. Cool. We've done a really good convention seminar in Christchurch, mm. which was really good. The local stuff around northeastern parts of Melbourne, which is kind of where we are. Mm -hmm. We've got a really good name, which is cool, and we have a pretty huge client base. On a Sunday morning, we might have, you know, on a good, nice, sunny sort of day, 80, 90, 100 sort of dogs come down so wow yeah it's busy it's it's and it's good it's it's a lot of fun it's we still really care we care a lot about what's happening i mean one of our clients she's going through a rough time with her dog at the moment and uh the dog's you know kidneys may be failing and it's a very very young dog and you know we hear those sorts of things and it's um it's really heart-wrenching for us so mm. you know we get attached to these guys you know, as much as they do to us yeah and so managing that many clients on a sunday do you you then train up other people to instruct for you on those classes so like a graduated level or something like yeah, that so we take students uh from ndtf ndtf or um melbourne uni any of the, the local schools around or whatnot where um you know people are wanting to learn more about dog behavior so they come down and just observe our classes and at the end of it, basically, we do debriefs and, and, you know, they get to ask questions and we get a, a bit of an insight as to, 
you know, whether they're the right fit for us. Uh And, you know, we, we were just saying the other day, actually, like the main thing that we look for when it comes to, you know, taking on another trainer is the personality. Mm -hmm. You know, we can teach anyone how to train a dog. You can't teach a personality. Mm -hmm. So we kind of sit there and, you know, as the students come through, if they're interested in, you know, perhaps furthering their their knowledge in Korea we go okay cool well you know it looks like it's going to be a good fit and so we just kind of mentor them up and next thing you know they're in the family and life's amazing so we've got uh, about 10 10 trainers with us at the moment so cool. they come help help run out the classes and mm. they're awesome they uh, they're looking after stuff while we're up here and you know it's just nice support there are people would know some of your more prominent trainers like Sarah Wysum yep and uh, Preston Henshaw yep yep uh, who else probably the biggest listener of the show Preston is Preston he? yeah he's a big fan say his name one more time Preston Preston Preston, <laughs> Preston Henshaw we do our our trainers Preston. are just un- <laughs> They're, they're, Preston, they're Preston worldwide. <laughs> wide, wide, wide. <laughs> Our trainers are family to us. We like we love them. They are the best. We trust them. Um, we can leave everything with them. They're just they are just super. So And they're really kind and caring too. Like, you know, like yeah. if, if I know, you know, earlier this this year, you know, unfortunately Brent's dad passed away and um, it was quite suddenly and they all just jumped on board and immediately the messages were coming in, you know, not just from support, you know, from that aspect, but do your personal dogs need looking after? I can pick up the equipment. I can do this. Like we didn't, we didn't have to do anything. You know, we just focused on family right then and there and the crew was there. They just picked it all up and we didn't have to even batter an eyelid. Yeah. It was very much just go and do what you need to do because we've got this covered, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. that, and that's, that's awesome. But they are, they're our family. They're our, we care deeply about them. And it's really funny. I know that you know, the last few days, Sarah, my son was up here and hanging out with her. But, and I was saying to Sarah, I miss the guys down in Melbourne. Mm. Like, mm. I haven't seen some of these guys for a week. And I'm like, fuck, I miss them. You know, like, so, yeah, it's cool. They're, they're a great bunch. And they're talented. They're mm-hmm. really cool. They they all go out and they all look for more knowledge. They mm. go to seminars whenever they can. That's what I notice about all your crew. They're at everything. They're always, always. pushing forward. Yeah. And, they're, and they're not just... They don't just attend for the the fun. You can tell they're the they're ones with the notes. They're getting better as trainers. Yeah, they they're the questions. ones with the notes. You know, yeah, yeah. I always say if you ask better questions, you'll get better answers, and and that's something that they're always striving to do. You know, there's a piece of information like the piece of the puzzle they're trying to put together mm. in regards to a particular behaviour. Instead of just saying how do you do that, ask better questions, get more information, and and you know be active in your learning. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there comes a day, and the reason that we all do this is that you've got to get to a point of stop asking all the questions and then start offering advice yeah which is the the reason that we're all on this training pilgrimage for is that we're trying to educate ourselves better to become better trainers to become more learned so then when people come to us rather than have a head full of questions you've got a lot of answers there as well Mm. and i've seen that migration happen with some of your guys where on the balance symposium they'll start answering questions rather than asking questions mm. which I, I think is a is a great evolution and getting back to what you were talking about when pat was talking about your culture this is a culture that you guys have nurtured as well like you've created something that a lot of people aspire to do mm. which is have a, a a great relationship with people that work for you while still having that respect of being the business owners as well so yes, it's okay. kind of got the best of both worlds there we have a membership that you can sign up for we've got a lifetime of the dog or a 12-month membership and with that membership we have a, a private facebook group right 
Somehow Pat got on. Yeah, I, I accidentally got in there one time. Pat yeah. starts making all these comments. I'm like, Pat's on there. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> Pat, you owe me money. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It actually it was, was good feedback. Too. It was actually a box related thing when I yeah, did comment yeah, on yeah. that because I was asking about gun. Someone was asking about gunfire, gunfire version, yeah. and I for somehow I ended up in that group. I don't know how it happened. I clicked on something. You must that, have. I'm and sure then I thought, yeah. oh, okay, whatever. And then I saw someone ask a question. And I was like, oh, I know about this. It answered. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? That's <laughs> bad. So, so with that page, Kat and I initially put a lot of time into it. So creating the ability to people for people to be free and asking their questions. So there's no judgment. If you've got a, if you need support in something, put it up there. If you need to vent, put it up there. It's not a bitchy thing, but it's like mm-hmm. you know, oh my dog is doing this. It's like cool. Now we don't have to do a lot with it you know our clients our clients knowledge is excellent yeah you know we have we have clients that come along to seminars not our trainers like we get clients who come along mm-hmm. so they're super invested and we love that we encourage it very much but it's nice to see for us the, our community and i know you said the word culture cookie and i agree like we we have a really, really cool culture and it's something for us that we're really, really proud of. I think it's really important to create a safe place as well where you can ask questions, you know, all too often. Unfortunately, we do see it where the dog world is divided and you mm. ask a question and, you know, whether it's about a particular piece of equipment or an approach to something, one of the things that's really important for us is to have a safe community where you can put something on in this Facebook page and say, you know, I've been doing this. And look, I'll just give a, a, a very cliche kind of example. But, you know, some people say, oh, you know, my, my, my dog jumped up. So I just gave him, a, you know, a little bop on the nose. And, you know, it's a safe place where they can come mm-hmm. and say something like that. And they don't get crucified for it. The whole reason they're doing the best they can with the information that they have. That now gives us, our community, the opportunity to help that individual and say, do you know what? There are better ways than just giving your dog a, a bop or, you know, using a rolled up newspaper or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's the opportunity in order to teach, opposed to be little crucify and put them on the cross kind of thing. In saying that, I remember in the early days of the Belton Symposium, people were frightened to ask questions because mm-hmm. they felt like they were going to get torn down for them. And that wasn't that definitely wasn't the culture we wanted to create. No. That was the culture that we were trying to eliminate. And the reason we were so selective about who came in and created the admin panel, which uh, mm. many of you guys are on, was to make sure that people if they did want to ask questions that people were replying to them actually thinking about them mm-hmm. rather than just going on the attack yep. it's not a nice place to be in and like i'm not saying that i haven't been one of those people who have been uh, a bit judgy of of people's questions in the past but it doesn't help bring the community together it just it's exactly what you mentioned before cat it starts to divide the community mm. and this is it's no good for any of us ben franklin who was involved in the uh, american constitution he always had a famous quote that says, hang together or be hung separately. I think about that a lot because when you start seeing some of the very, very imposing laws that start to happen in not just dog world, but world in, in particular, if your community is divided, you won't fight together. You know, mm. And that's the greatest thing is that if you're trying to get these things through, you just divide everyone apart. You split the groups into smaller and smaller segments and then nobody's got the energy or the will to fight anymore. They it's won't stand up for their rights. They, it's the divide and conquer. Mm. And it really is silly. We need to come together more and more and more so when these imposing laws do come in, people mm. can say, hang on a minute. Don't try and pull the wall over our eyes with this bullshit. You know, we are a community united and this is yeah. this is nonsense. 
even just the background of being like the balanced or the Lima group or whatever, Lima being least invasive, minimally aversive or whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to identify as. The reality is... <laughs> Don't go down Let's that part. No, no. But, but, I mean, I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> you do look old. Ooh, sweaty. <laughs> but the reality is, is that... If we don't, if we don't have that united front, we're gone. Mm. You know, it's easy just to roll straight over the top of us. So I don't want to see that happen. Uh, I want to see us come together more. And this is the reason why I love uh, having these seminars and having the the uh, option to do these podcasts together and shit yeah, like that. So sure. we can all come together and and um, talk a little bit more sense about what's going on. Mm. It's better for all of us. It's getting more and more important that dog trainers all stick together and present a unified front because I mean look mm. they just banned the prong collars in Holland for yeah, God's yeah. sake saw that. the yeah. country known mm. known worldwide for breeding the hardest toughest dogs on the planet now have no tools to manage those dogs yeah, yeah. it's basically um, like saying we're designing cars without handbrakes anymore yeah you should just be able to use your park brake to put yourself into yeah and <clears throat> the disappointing thing about that look I don't know all the details but you know the KMPV the PH1 stands for Police Hound 1. They are prepping dogs for the police. It's not just a sport. Mm. It, it is a it, dog must have a PH1 to be yep. a, a police dog in Holland. So the the support from departments of government that should know better and should protect these things doesn't come. And that's a really good example of that. It, they, the police didn't protect them. The police didn't stop that coming in. And the police know that they need that. And I think that worldwide we're foolish to think that that's not going to happen here mm. in more places than it has and, and eventually in America it's going to do the same thing. And the and ripple I, effects of that, like that huge, could be yeah. quite terrifying, you know, yeah. that's that's a rabbit warren, you know. We're talking about police dogs. Um, if they're not being trained up to that standard and that's certainly not my area of expertise but I can already, the moment you said that, I'm like, holy smokes, Batman, like that is... Yeah, so if you devastating don't, when you go down the ripple effect. Yeah, mm. it, and it just works as simple as this: if you don't have the tools to manage mm. extremely hard dogs, you can't breed extremely hard dogs, and yeah. then the police will find themselves in a position where they do not have dog. The police, military, mm. corrections, all that will find themselves in a position where they are unable to source dogs suitable for their purpose because people can't breed those dogs because they can't manage them. It's, it's and, already happening. It's no, that's happening right. Now. Well, yeah. and it's worldwide. And I mean, this is again way off topic, but the, there's a bigger issue in that in that we've over farmed that pool. Yeah. We've overfished that pond. Yeah. And the, the problem with a exceptional dog is say he is, um, he's exactly what the police military want. And, and, and some tier one SF unit comes in and drops $50,000 on him because they have the money to do that. Yep. He may as well be dead by the position of the gene pool because he's not going to be bred anymore. So they've got the tools because that they, no one tells the army they can't use e collars, prong collars, that sort of thing. Although yep. that's tending to happen in Australia now. Um, so they they don't see the problem until now where can't find the dogs yep. and you're paying mm. fifty thousand dollars for a dog that fifteen years ago was a two hundred euro dog yep. because there just isn't any around. I remember and, Bart and telling us in the car that uh, Malinois were twenty five euro. Yeah, well, you can still get not so good ones for that. Yeah, you but know good ones. Yeah, yeah like that's very right. Very good, very yeah. good males you buy for twenty five yeah. euro. Yeah, and giveaway so dogs. The problem is people don't link that up like. That is because dog trainers aren't being all that that bad breeding or or weak dogs and dogs that are no longer going to be suitable for the purpose. That when you trace it back to its source is dog trainers bickering over stupid shit yep. and not coming together to present a unified front and standing together and saying, "Hey, I don't like you for this reason. You don't like me for this reason. But this is important information that has to get out there." Mm. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, Very much. The right information has to get out there and we have to stick together and do that. And yeah, I think it's, it's really hard to take a tool away from somebody when you don't use that tool. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's incorrect. It's like as a chef, I had a beautiful big, well, it was probably like a 60 centimeter cook's knife, right? And you wouldn't use it for cutting tomatoes, but it was perfect for cutting, you know, like I used to do pizzas and stuff, just cutting through pizzas, bang, bang, bang. Not everyone needs that knife, right? But it had an excellent function for me and what I used it for. And mm. it wasn't my everyday chef's knife that I used, but it was the right tool for the right job when it needed to be used. Yeah. That's mm. the way, to me, these things should be. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm going to segue back in. Cool. We were talking- That's my job. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to segue back in? No. Okay, I'll segue back in. <laughs> so we were talking last night about the canine conversations. Yes. Kat, would you like to talk about where the canine conversations started, like the origin of that and why you started it? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Mm. Just to give a little bit of background knowledge. Uh, so we, yeah, I was going to say I need it. Yeah. I don't <laughs> okay. Know. So uh, we had a, a client who was training with us, uh, Rihanna, and developed a friendship outside of the, the, the dog training world. And Rihanna um, Nation? Yes. Yeah. 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 So Everyone um, loves Rhi. Yeah, she's a cool chick. Long story short, military family, and they ended up um, shipping up to Darwin. And, you know, we'd, we'd touch base and keep in contact. And I remember getting a call from Rhi and... Like, I love this woman. And I could, you could just, I could hear that, you know, that, that one time she's asking for help. Anyway, her, her, um, 13 year old son at the time had been diagnosed with tonic chronic epilepsy, um, which is kind of the, the really violent seizures and, and things like that. And, um, you know, when, when you're, you're such a strong stoic person and then all of a sudden something's out of your control, like you can't, you can't fix that. You know, mm-hmm. there's no magic wand. And, uh, you know, she'd been on the internet and like, I think there was just overwhelm and she rang me and she said, you know, I've been looking at at dogs or looking at this or looking at that, trying to get some control back in, in a situation. I said, look, leave it with me, go have a glass of wine. And I said, I'll get back to you. So I reached out, uh, Linda Marsden and cause I know that she had done work with uh, medical alert dogs. Long story, you know, bringing it back in long story short, um, about $45,000 to get a seizure alert dog. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to clarify for someone that may not know, these are not the dogs that you buy yourself and then train up yourself. Um, most people may understand it a little bit more if I use the example of a, of a guide dog. Mm-hmm. So the organization train, trains the dogs up and then the dog is matched to the, to the individual. Uh, $45,000 to get a dog. You know, not many people just have that kind of laying in their back pocket. So Brent and I went straight, straight into kind of work mode mm-hmm. and go, cool, how do we get this shit done? You know, that's. It has to be done. There is no deviate from this. It's just got to be done. How do we do it? We're like, cool, we could do a fundraiser. We know enough people in the dog industry that would attend. And all of the money, 100% of the money went toward getting Chloe is the dog. And she's, she's a rock star. We reached out to a couple people, Cookie being one, and said, you know, we can, you know, can you come down and, and help out and, you know, just share some stories. It was, you know, really good a good idea which came into fruition share your stories you know tell us your dog your dog stories tell us about harley tell us how you know harley saved your life when you know you were working and cleaning up the streets and that kind of stuff when when people were you know on drugs or being violent or whatnot all of these stories we had boyd hooper um frank yeah frank frank from the dog squad yeah. so we, frank uh, was cool yeah so basically everyone just came together and that is the beauty of the dog world coming together right then and there and um you know did it did an awesome job and uh they ended up getting the nation family ended up getting Chloe, uh, Labrador trained up. She is exceptional. 
she indicates Sam's now 17 and she goes everywhere. She has full public access uh, pass. So she goes to school with him and, and that kind of stuff and, and indicates uh, on his seizures and does a, a wonderful job at that. And that's kind of the canine conversations in, in a nutshell, the dog community coming together for the better good, basically. Mm. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting thing. I came up with the concept and part of it was very much probably a little bit like your podcast, right? It's what do I want from this? One of the things for me, it was like, I'd love to sit down and have a drink and listen to people tell their stories. And so the guys that we got on, so, you know, it was Cookie and Boyd and, and Frank. And then we also had uh, Gary Jackson, who did the Sydney one. So it was awesome fun. It was a lot of, it was a lot of laughs. It was a lot of people who kind of came in and rocked up and enjoyed it. So it was like so, a gala sort of fundraiser yeah. dinner sort of thing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. So yeah. it was a, it was a Sydney, dinner, yeah. Melbourne and Sydney. It was a dinner, um, and people just came along, enjoyed it. Had music, had guest speakers. Uh, Brad M said it and did a bloody good job. We had some things donated that we could mm. raffle off. We we had this blanket that was donated to us, and. It was a quilt. Someone oh, a had, quilt. had had hand quilted this this blanket, and we appreciate it. Thanks for the quilt. It was really cool, but it was it, it wasn't the joke item, but it was a joke item for the night. It became, became, the, <laughs> it joke became item. the joke. Well, because item. there were so many cool dog things, like there yeah, were yeah, crates yeah. available or collars and leads and all of this, and and um, this beautiful lady donated, and it was a gorgeous quilt. Yeah, it was gorgeous. But she donated it, and of course, because our minds at that point were very in the dog world. It's like, oh, look, yeah. you know, I could I could bid on this or that, and that, and all of a sudden a quilt came out. You could just see everyone kind of do that dog thing with their head tilted like what am I going to do with that but yeah so Sarah why some put a bit on it and won it (laughs) handmade quilts uh they're quite a thing and um they're very expensive take a long long time to do yeah I only I know all this because uh, an old CO of mine, his wife gave us a, a quilt, and it, yeah. it's a big deal. Like to yeah, go out yeah, the yeah. way. That's and actually bullshit. Stitch. Pat's a closet quilt maker. Yeah. <laughs> no, my mum makes. Love, my mum makes a quilt. My mum makes quilts as well, but yeah. to get one as a gift is yeah. more of a or to in that sort of situation, it's an indication of time. Time, mm. absolutely like, Because this well, took me it, four yeah. weeks. Not yeah. just yeah, you know, like here's it's just a, a blanket, and you can buy a better one. But yeah. this is one that I spent four weeks, Agreed. and it's a that it, yeah. a quilt. I, I think, I, fuck, I could be missing the mark. The quilt people, well, we're about to lose the quilt audience or gain a quilt audience. Yeah, we'll know. gain them, man. We're giving quilt but people wraps for it's sure. It's the gift of of Love time and appreciation. And yeah. yeah, that's what it is. It's a, Absolutely. it's if, more of a show yeah. than a than a thing, and you can't buy you can't buy it. Mm, it's yeah. a it's, it's got to be given. Well, the one Polynesians of, actually do it a lot at weddings. Like, it, I don't think they're quilts, but they're like weavings that they do, yeah. and it's like. When their children get married, they all start presenting their weavings and so yeah. forth. Like so yeah. it's a it's a similar type, same same yeah. but different as the Thai yeah. would say. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's it is a credible amount of time. That's um, it. And so you it's a display of this is how much time I gave to you. Yeah. yeah. One one of the things with the canine conversations that really blew me away was I offered so the guest speakers who I reached out to and were happy to do it. I said, look, I'll cover your costs and that sort of thing, and all of them turned around mm. and said, no, no, like. I'll pay my way. I'll pay my way. That's awesome. It was really they cool. They didn't so, miss a beat. Like the minute yeah. they're like, no, this is for charity. Like yeah. it's all going there. Like it's done. Yeah. Like that was the cool part. And we raised you know, a fair bit of money. It was it was awesome. And you know, Rihanna sort of sits there and she goes, I can never repay you. But um, it's probably the proudest thing I've done in, yeah, that's in cool. the dog world. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It would be, um, when was that? Yeah, we didn't do another one. We need another good cause. I think it was five years ago. Well, you know what? Since we're all sitting in the room, if someone's listening and, and has a worthy cause, let's send us a message and 
well, well, everyone's looking at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> Brent, Brent, to let the cat out of the bag, Brent and I, and we've been talking about this for a long time, we've been stirring it up on uh, the Balance Symposium. We're actually thinking about doing a combined effort on having a Balance Symposium education uh, yeah, weekend. Like, yeah. a, like, a, mm, like a conference. Like a, like a conference. Yeah. So we've, we've been talking about that. For, we've been talking yeah. about it for ages. And, you know, like we've planned it and other things have come up and other people have started bringing in international guests and so forth but i think what we'd like to do is start hearing from like have a conference where we're hearing from our own people yeah Mm. you know there are some incredibly talented trainers in this country some incredibly talented uh lecturers yeah so i think rather than looking externally for the answers i think that you'll find that there's a lot of people i don't think i know that Mm. you'll find people within our own culture and we've got to start embracing that a little bit yeah. more. We talked about building cultures before, but we've got to start doing the same sort of thing in education as well. Not not look at it like, oh, I know you. I don't think I could learn anything from you. Yeah. It's very untrue. I learn a lot. Like the people in the room right now, I learn things from all of you guys. You know, I've gained things from you've all brought something to the table that I've been able to add to exercises I'm doing or things that I'm saying when I'm teaching students or anything like that. To ignore that is really a fool's folly. Yeah. So. I think at some stage we'll be announcing it's only in its very infancy, but I'd like mm. to generate some interest in that and talk about that yeah. more as time goes by and sort of set a date, concrete it, and then be committed to it so it has to happen. Yeah, I've got a bunch of notes and ideas of speakers and yeah, I've got a venue in mind and all that sort of stuff. So like there's certainly groundwork that's been put in. Just remember, it's- Brentos, the party's in Sydney. Party's in Sydney, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the, that's the, the, the inaugural one will make Sydney and then we'll travel from there, right? Sounds good. Make it a road show. Road, yeah. road show. <laughs> booze bus. Um, so that'll be cool. How are we looking for time? I know you guys have got a flight to get. Should we We've got about 15 minutes before we need to wrap. I had built to a crescendo. That was my plan. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we ask, what's your message? Like, what would you like to, what would you like to finish on with people? What's the message of your business, your culture? I think myself with the messages, as I said before, ask, ask better questions, you'll get better answers and and dive in deeper in regards to your own knowledge and, and your own behaviour. You know, um, many of you know that I'm really starting to dive into human behaviour as well. And With your NLP? Yeah, mm. yeah. So NLP, timeline therapy, hypnosis, all of that. And I mean, that's what I, I love. It's behaviour, be it a dog or a human. And how can you make that individual feel better? feel more confident but what is it that you can learn about yourself you know take the blinkers off can you learn you know from a different a different piece of equipment from somebody that you haven't learned from before when have you reached out and and you know being active in your own learning you know active in your own life so you can you can go holy smokes you know I don't know much about that maybe just you know reach out to that person or attend one of their seminars or pay for their online course or, or whatever it is. Like be active in, in your learning, be it in the dog world or externally, because the more you, you can tap into that, then, you know, the greater gift you're going to give to yourself, but then you also have the opportunity to, to extend that out to other people, you know, like the whole point of having knowledge is to be able to share it. There's no point just squirreling it away and, and leaving it there. So when you die, it's gone, like share it, get out there and, and advance yourself. I think that to me at the moment is where I'm massively at, you know, I'm calling this the year of saying yes. So like I'm doing courses everywhere and just, you know, dedicating a hell of a lot to, con- you know, contribution, not only to my own knowledge and, and learning, but also to be able to share that for other people. That's kind of, yeah. My and, message. and what books would you recommend people read? 
well, I've got my book coming out, Dating and Dogs, soon. <laughs> We've been waiting for that for a while. <laughs> it's damn close, actually. Very, very close. It's uh, I'm in discussions with the publishers now. Books. You know what? I think I might hand that over to Brent because Brent... Brent's the book guy? Yeah. Like, I listen to audiobooks a lot. Yep. But, yeah, I think that, that would be better answered by Mr. Brentos. Or Harry Potter. Well, you know, Harry Potter's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the things for me that I've done this year very much is... I'll always continue to learn in the dog world because there's so much out there, right? There's so much information. There's so many trainers who are very, very thoughtful about what they do and concise in what they do and they think deeply about what they do. So that for me is really cool to learn. Some of you guys know that I've started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and it's nice for me to be learning something that's a brand new skill. I've never, uh, I've never done martial arts. I've never been in a fight in my life. So I'm not learning to be a better fighter. It's just nice to be learning something brand new again and being the the bottom of the ladder. J-Jack really started a little trend in in Australia, didn't he? Yeah, I was doing a little bit before Jay came out. Mm. I got involved in it probably through Jocko Willink. Okay. Um, He's wearing one of his tops now. Discipline equals freedom. Discipline Mm. equals freedom. I say that a fair bit, yeah. That's your close personal friend, Jocko. Yeah, the (laughs) big fellow. um, He's a nice guy. He's, you know. Yeah. (laughs) He wakes me up at... Yeah, 0430 every morning. Yeah. <laughs> Rise before the enemy. Up before the enemy. Yep. So listening to some of his podcasts and, and that sort of thing, the way that he spoke about jiu-jitsu and how it imitates life, I'm like, no, I really want to try it. So I went down in March and had, a, uh, had my first lesson then and really, really enjoyed it. It's given me, it's given me more confidence. It's given me... A, one of the good things about it for me is it's given us another area of friendship with people mm. away from the dog world, which I think is really important too. You know, there's a long, long time where all of our friends were from the dog world and we, we still have that and we're still super, super close, but it's given us another area and for me, another area of passion mm-hmm. as well. So it's nice for me to be able to diversify knowledge again, be down the bottom, a lot more to learn. It makes me thirstier for the jiu-jitsu knowledge, but also very much for the dog knowledge and seeing where I can have crossovers. Mm. It's nice to be coached by somebody and see a different style of teaching because at the end of the day, you know, everyone here is an educator. It's one of those things too, like being able to learn to learn again. You know, like a lot of the time if you're not active in your learning, you forget what it's like to learn a brand new skill. So yeah. with jiu-jitsu, you know, because I'm doing it also, but, you know, the thing is when you're learning how to learn, then you can have compassion for somebody that's never owned a dog before. You know, he's got two left feet and, you know, doesn't know anything in regards to how to hold the lead. It gives you the compassion to be able to go, oh, shit, even though it's been, you know, however many years since we first learnt that, it, mm. it, it, it enables us to tap back in and go, oh, that's right, you, your mind is on fire here, like it's downloading so much information. So, I'm just going to jump in there quickly when you talked about learning to learn again and the frustration of it. Pat and I did an exercise with Bertie Oshidi, which is, I'm not going to talk about the exercise because it's a bit of a personal thing, mm-hmm. but... It was very frustrating for me. I don't know how it felt for you, Pat. But um, <laughs> I know, I know how it felt. Well, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a personal thing, like it's a personal mm. development thing. But it was for me. It was like I didn't know how to control what was happening, and mm-hmm. it sort of stirred a few things up. I've been thinking about it a lot over the last three or four days. It really sort of kicked a few cogs into my head, and uh, I kind of thought, "Shit, I'm doing some of this stuff to my dog when I'm training him. I'm not. Mm. I'm not allowing him to." Feel process. What, process what's going on 
again, it's one of those same, same, but different sort of things, but it was really interesting. Like I've, I've had a bit of a vision quest on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was built on frustration of trying to control a, a scenario and yeah, it was a, it was good. I think I actually really needed it to get through a little bit of a layer that I was, I was sitting on for a while. It's interesting you say that you couldn't control what was happening. Well, I had the opposite effect. I was too in control and therefore it didn't work. But that's what the problem was. Yeah, yeah. So is I was, that trying to be too controlling meant I couldn't control but I, it. Yeah, but I couldn't let go of that. It was yeah. very bizarre. Yeah. It was a very strange thing. Mm. And um, yeah, so we both failed the exercise. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, the, the, the good thing with that is like at least you're able to identify, go, okay, so this is this is the quirk that perhaps I can explore a little bit more in order to, whether it's let go of the control or not be so hook up, hooked up on it or, or whatever it is. Mm. It was very strange and uncomfortable. So Brentos books, or, or so, did you have something yeah, to come, conclude? Yeah, just little things. Yeah. I was just going to say book. Uh, I'm really looking forward to reading Behave by Robert Sapolsky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's yeah. That's and I love the list. colours of it too. Yeah. It's sitting there and it's about to be devoured. Yeah, yep. it's sitting beside my bedside at the moment. Yeah. What's your favourite book, Brentos? Oh man, like a book that you'd think, geez, I could pick that up and read it again and again. Like I could really. Get- yeah. Okay. A book that touched me in a way that I've never had since was Bryce Courtney, The Power of One. Okay. I was, I don't know, 20 or something, I think, when I read it. I would go to work and I was, I would be, I was cooking at the time and I was wondering what PK was doing at that moment. Like he was, he was just alive. And he's a character in the, in the book? Yeah, it's a character in the book. So he's a young South African kid. He's growing up. He's a, he's a white kid and he's getting, getting bullied and he's in a black neighborhood and then he ends up going to a going to another school and he learns to box oh they did a movie on this they did a movie yeah yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, morgan freeman was yeah in yep the stories the story was like a lot of bryce courtney stuff it was a little bit magical but there were some really really cool lessons in there and i never forgot i never forgot that story and i've read it a few times since and i still get the same feeling not so much of being at work and wondering what PK was doing this character was doing but I still get that nice magical feeling in regards to it and it covers everything from you know life and death mm. you know so it was a really really cool book I love that currently I'm reading a book called On Combat mm. it's really funny the, the books that I read I don't just read a lot of dog training books I read a lot of other books where I see correlations between dog training and life I'm it's I read behavior some, yeah, mm. yeah. On combat, it's around a little bit of military, but more dedicated towards the police force and first responders and that sort of thing. So controlling your emotions, controlling your behavior, setting yourself up. And I suppose it's a little bit along the lines of the Bart book that he talks about, which is the talent mm. code. It's a little bit like that, you know, how to learn a little bit better and setting yourself up for success. So the first time shit hits a fan it's not the first time that you've had those emotions and those feelings so mm-hmm. i'm enjoying that at the moment uh, i've been reading some philosophy stuff and you know meditations and pretty big range at the moment man my kindle's kind of all Exploding. over the place yeah getting yeah. warm on the battery side yeah but mm. i love it forrest a few months ago told me to read uh, the story of edgar sortel which we spoke about on the live podcast that you guys did Again, it's a really magical, it's a magical book. But as I was reading it, the dog knowledge that this person has is like, it's legit. It's really, really good talking about whelping puppies and 
all of these sorts of things. I'm like, yeah, this person's been around dogs too. It's mm. not just a, it's not just a story that somebody's made up. There's definitely history and passion there for the dog as well. Unlike Uncle Boomlala. <laughs> <laughs> Never read it. <laughs> Don't pretend you know what's in it. <laughs> it has meaning, I'm sure. I think it's really interesting. You know, like the more more it, I chat with people in in and around books, you know, it's not. Obviously, to start off with, you just want dog books and you want all the information. It's super exciting. But then, you know, you start to diversify, diversify with it. And as you said, it's it's behavioral books, it's psychology books or whatever it is. You know, it's, it's, it's how can I get everything to come together more fluidly opposed to just dog, 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 dog. Because we're at the other end of the leash. We pay a massive part in, in our dog's experience. So, you know, that's... Mm. Yeah, and and development side of stuff for me as well, which I've been you know trying to improve over the last few years, mm. specifically and making more of an effort to do that. In my early twenties, when I lived in New Zealand, I did a uh, Dale Carnegie course, so a bit of self improvement and stuff, and enjoyed that immensely. That was a lot of fun. And my dad gave me this book to read. He goes, "Mate, read this," and it was called the greatest salesman in the world. And I went, yeah, yeah, awesome, mate. What would you do, please? And he was a good salesman, right? Dad was cracker on as sales. He was very, very good. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll read it. And then I was going back up to Auckland. I knew I was going to see him. So I'm like, I better read this book. And I read that. And that was an amazing book. You know, it was just a little guy. It was a little book, I think, um, uh, Og Mandino oh, yeah. wrote it. Yeah. Right. It was an amazing book. And, my understanding was at the time, I think it was like the third biggest selling book in the world behind like the Bible and something else. So that was a really cool book. And one of the one of the little quotes in that was live each day as if it's your last. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you hear those little sayings and you kind of go, oh, that's really cool. But I think when you start to do that, I think the world opens up to you a lot more. So I've been trying to do that a little bit more lately. Actually, I think I read in a book, I can't remember, on Og- Ogmandina, I read some of these books in the early days. Yeah. And I believe that one stage he was so depressed and down and out that he used his the last money that was in his pockets to buy a gun that he was going to, he was basically a wino. Yeah. Um, and he bought, uh, yeah, he was, he was, uh, he bought a gun and he was contemplating killing himself. And he kind of had a bit of a vision quest at that time and thought there's something more I can do. Like this is it, but it shouldn't yeah. be it. Mm. And then it, it transformed him into... I could use this gun to rob people instead and take their money. <laughs> <laughs> then I could buy a bigger gun. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good segue, Pat. <laughs> Pat Segway Stewart. <laughs> It's a good transition. Well, that's where my head goes to. Oh, now I've got awesome. this gun. Why am I going to use it on me? Yeah. I could use it on other people. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> uh, well, guys, it's go. been fucking awesome catching up with yeah. you. And finally Absolutely. doing this. We've been wanting to do it for a long, long time. Any last things before we wrap? No, just thanks to you guys. Thanks to you know both Pat and Glenn. The work that you guys do on the canine paradigm, I know it's. I know Pat just rocks up and puts earphones on and bitches <laughs> about talks. the good the good earphones that he's lost and stuff. <laughs> Should have seen my other pair of earphones; they were mm. awesome. I'm still pretty pissed off about that. <laughs> so Pat Pat's roles, you know, I'm sure he does a lot of homework behind the scenes and studies for hours and hours to have the skill level that he's got with what he does. But um, Cookie, I know your editing takes you a bloody long time, and 
you know, you put these out often and quite frequently, mm. really. So there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. So on behalf of, on behalf of us and, and you know, as a canine paradigm listener, mate, we thank you guys for the effort that you guys put in. No, it's our pleasure. We're we're really enjoying it. Talking on Pat's effort, I only have to walk into the studio <laughs> where Pat actually has to drive an hour and a half to get here, yeah. like to yeah. make a special trip out here to actually do the recording, which. You know, I always appreciate because there's yeah. effort on both sure. both ends all the time. And, yeah, he does a lot of research and, you know, like this is a uh, – like in your business itself, this is a joint collaboration. This show is successful from both points of view. It's an, it's an equal share thing. Mm. You know, like I don't think the paradigm would have the success it has if it was just me or maybe just Pat, I don't know. But together, you know, like we yep. we generate some something pretty – pretty great together and plus we've become great friends as well yeah. mm. like we're talking about we've developed a good community of people together which we enjoy we're different people from different backgrounds different disciplines but again you know i've said it several times on the show it's like the tie say same same but different yep mm. well thanks for coming on guys if people i can't imagine anyone is listening to the show that doesn't know how to get in contact with you but just in case how can they they can find us on uh, pretty much all the social media platforms. So the canine company. With a K yeah. nine. Yep. Letter K, Letter K number, number nine. nine. So Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. Brent Reach Dry, out. dog trainer on Instagram if you want to follow me. Oh, I'm like cat double underscore Saunders on Instagram if you want to follow me. Yeah. Double underscore. Double. Double. There's a hidden meaning in that. We'll talk about that next time. <laughs> uh, 100%, 100% real cat Saunders. <laughs> 100% cat Saunders. <laughs> Buy the T-shirt now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. Thank you for coming on. Uh, once again, that's – I've forgotten my, my wind-up. That's it for another episode of The Canine Paradigm. As always, if you like what you're hearing, jump onto whatever subscription service you download us from. Like, rate, share, subscribe, tell a friend. All that helps more people find out about the show. And we're in talks with some exciting guests to come on again, so that should be fun. And if you want to get in contact with us, shoot us a message on Facebook's the easiest way, The Canine Paradigm over there. And Spotify. And Spotify now. <laughs> we're going to be a hard act to follow. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and that's right. IACP, we're coming at you. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of us. Glenn, Preston Henshaw. 